You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Tara Slappy. Sarah, thanks so much for being with me today. Oh, oh thank you for inviting me. Sarah, we're talking on um, Tuesday, April 26th in 2022. What's happening in your studio right now? What are, what are you working on for, um, for upcoming shows or, or whatever's happening next? What's, what's going on in your sure. studio in terms of next body of work? Yeah, so um, I am just coming off of some big deadlines, um, a big solo show, a few group shows, and some other small deadlines in between. And before I plan out the next big body of work, I spend a lot of time drawing. And sometimes it feels a little unproductive because I don't have big, you know, beautiful, luscious paintings to show at the end of the day but it's actually the hardest and I think most valuable part of my process. Just looking at books, drawing, imagining things, sometimes in the studio just staring out of the window, thinking about palettes, taking a walk, that kind of thing. So that's where I am now, and I will probably be in that uh, that headspace for another week or two before I get cracking on some, some serious painting again. So let's talk about that relationship of drawing to your painting because on your, on your website there's a lot of drawings people can see. There's also paintings, and they, and they seem to have a direct relationship, and the drawings also do look um, quite finished to me. They look, um, I mean, you know, it's just funny to see things online, but they, they look like they have a, a definite relationship to the paintings, but also look... Um, you know, not sketchy at all. They look, they look like they're, they're finished works in themselves. Yes. Well, I originally, um, so, so I have kind of different levels of a drawing practice. One is um, parts of my sketchbook, usually my, my at-home sketchbook, which is no bad ideas. And I just draw little boxes, like kind of, um, they look like comic book strip boxes and go pretty fast and see just what comes out. Um, and that I do not show anyone because there are admittedly a lot of bad ideas in that no bad ideas section. The next uh, level up from them is my um, studio, like kind of more formal sketchbook where the that drawing process that I was just describing to you, kind of the thinking, the really planning out a painting happens. And then um, many years ago, I think as a way to plan color and light, shadow, and maybe also just to delay having to start a painting, I would say, oh, yes, I should make a drawing of this. And uh, and it ended up just being a really enjoyable part of my process. And so since then, it's kind of splintered off into its own world, its own practice. And I would say less than half of the drawings I make turn into finished paintings. Um, probably even maybe as little as a quarter turn into finished paintings. So they're they're not quite sketches. They're kind of their own thing, but it's a way for me to 
make something that's a little more immediate than a big finished painting, um, mix things up, do something different with my hand, and, uh, and yeah, just have a little bit of fun in the studio and try, try new things. Because some things work in drawings and they would never work in a painting and vice versa. So let's talk about the, the paintings that are in progress now or the drawings that, that may lead to paintings. You said you're doing different things with your hand. Your hand, you know, almost always figures in a lot of these. So mm. what, makes a, what makes a drawing something that would move to a painting? And, and, and are there some mm-hmm. paintings that you're working on at the moment? Yes. Um, so as far as what makes a drawing something that could move to a painting... I generally, um, because I'm, I'm interested in color and form, a lot of times I want um, the surfaces of the body to be a little bit larger in scale and size in a drawing. And then when I transition to a six-foot painting, for example, you don't necessarily have to be large. I can play a lot more with things that range in scale, whereas in a drawing, I think of it as kind of a, a small moment of concentration. I have yet to make a really large drawing, so I imagine that would change, and maybe they would look a little bit more like the paintings if I was making a large finished drawing. But otherwise, um, they... I, I don't exactly know if and when something will turn into a painting. It kind of depends on, honestly, my schedule. If I have time to really play around and relax or if I am going straight from my sketchbook to the canvas and, and I don't have um, that luxury of procrastination. Um, as far as what I'm making right now, painting lies in the studio. I just finished um, a large painting in a new color palette that I'm really excited about. It's uh, got this jade green or maybe closer to emerald green background. And um, I went ahead and prepped another canvas with that same color background, but it's a really large canvas. And the way the paint laid down on the surface is just really beautiful and out of my control and I could never recreate it. So I'm stuck because now my drawing would have covered that part of the background. So I have to come up with a new drawing to let the background kind of be its own thing. Um, So in short, I'm deep in drawing and at the beginning stages of a lot of painting uh, right now. So it's like kind of like being a a newborn baby in the studio again. <laughs> well, in an emerald green field or something, you know, that's kind of a beautiful yes. color. You know, emerald green is such a kind of a weird color in a way, but one color that I've been thinking about yeah. more lately. It's such a um, mm-hmm. such an unusual color. It's, a, it's a sort of magical and yeah. has all these associations. So on, on, that's the background. You're going to be making some form of, of hands in the, in the foreground on that painting? Yeah, um, the original composition I planned was this sort of um, like structured tangle of arms and legs, hands and feet. Um, but 
I think that I, in, in this one, I'm going to have to do something that's very uncomfortable for me, which is let the background um, stand on its own a little bit and not cover it up with much at all. So that is that makes for maybe um, a less physically demanding painting, but a really mentally demanding painting. Um, since I don't exactly know the, the right next step. Um, so in the meantime, I'm just going to start something else. That is what I have decided. <laughs> and tomorrow a new background will, will be put down on a different painting. And let's talk about some of the imagery that's been in your, your paintings in the past. Um, hands are, are often figured in there. Um, sometimes there's... Um, kind of injury or, or blood mixed, mixed in with it. Um, can you tell me a little bit about it? Because it feels like there's a narrative there. It feels very, it feels very personal, um, but mm -hmm. it, also, it also seems to, you know, those kind of injuries almost look sort of like saint-like things, like stigmata, but also, mm -hmm. you know, a little punk-like. It's, it's, you know, or just a kind of self-injury. Yeah. Um, yeah, can can we talk a little bit about that content sure. and narrative, what's happening there? Well, you have a perfect read on it. Um, you said everything that's kind of been in my mind without having the um, the details of some of the biographical things or, or whatever, like personal information that um, that's behind it. But, uh, yeah, so I... Um, started drawing these hands maybe eight years ago or so because um, I had done this, I had received this grant in graduate school to travel to Europe and see works by um, James Ensor and, and Goya, two of my very favorite artists. And I stopped at the Louvre in between, so it was just like the best European art excursion Ever. And uh, I felt like I needed to have some kind of commune with all of the work that I was seeing. You know, I'd waited till you know, my 30s um, to see a painting by da Vinci, for example. And so I wanted to make some sketches um, in front of these paintings as a way to, to kind of communicate with them. Otherwise, you know, you look at it, you take a picture, you move on. And I found that the most interesting thing for me in all of these paintings were what was happening with the hands. And um, so I ended up, I came back with this notebook full of hand drawings, and they always felt kind of special to me, like a, a record of time, a record of me having kind of an interaction with another artist. And um, after that, I wanted to make a series of small paintings for a flat file program here in New York. Um, it's called Tiger Strikes Asteroid. Um, still operating. They have a, a great program. And I've been making these large paintings with full figures. And I think it was just kind of a, a natural culmination of coming back, knowing that I had these hands, these, like, this idea that I needed something to do with, and I needed to make small paintings. So instead of crushing the figure down to a 
a miniature size. Um, I focused on this one part of the body that I felt like was really communicative and um, a good substitute for human emotion when you don't have a face. And a face can also lie. Hands, if, hands are really um, indicative of emotion in ways that people don't realize. So uh, I made... Yes, especially in a site in Trump, and especially in like a Renaissance painting, yeah. the hand that looks like it's in, oh. in ecstasy almost, or the hand that looks, you know, Absolutely. paused or, or, yeah. I, 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 I of course, see that right away but when you mentioned that. Yeah, it's the one way to speak in a silent media, I think. Um, hands say everything. And, yeah, in, in real life as well, but I've am interested in the tradition of, of painted images and it became so obvious to me that I, I think that's why one of the reasons I was always drawn to them. Um, so after I, and I'm also not super interested right now in portraiture. Um, I, it can be so um, limiting, I think, in who it, whose experience it reflects. But nearly everyone knows what it feels like to have limbs or hands or feet or, you know, to see these things on someone else. Um, so anyway, that's, that's how I came to focusing on hands in particular. And since then, I have expanded out to feet, <laughs> legs, arms, um, some, I have made a few paintings, and the one I'll start tomorrow is a full body, but with no head, um, just to kind of, kind of mix it up and, and see what that feels like in the studio. And, um, yeah, it, conceptually, it's, I'm really interested in kind of the grossness and violence of being a woman, um, and, Small, small acts like shaving your legs, learning how to shave your legs. It's, I can remember being a middle schooler and thinking, oh, I can't wait to do this. But when you break it down, it's like dragging a razor over a child's skin to make her more, I don't know, like sexually palatable. And um, so there are all these little traditions maybe or habits or rules about being a woman that when you when you stop and like blow it up really big it, you realize it's pretty disgusting and also really interesting so that's so yeah, true that's yeah and it, 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 it is one of the stranger yeah um kind of behaviors or ritual that that mm-hmm. yeah girls are seemingly forced into and so in these in these kind of Im- images where where there's blood it, it it signifies that it's it's about body the woman's body the girl's body um but but also mm-hmm. things of of um kind of like I mean only because I'm thinking of all these renaissance like paintings of mm-hmm. hands um also about how blood signifies something different in those paintings which is often like martyrdom or sacrifice yeah. or something yeah i actually i made a series of um stigmata drawings and, and one painting that was in my last show um, 
where uh, like hair, these large hair bows were pinned into the palms of two hands. And um, I had just returned from another uh, trip to Europe to see Renaissance work. Um, and yeah, it's, it's like the presence of blood and, and gore um, and the body are just so ubiquitous that you don't even, I, I don't think the people who live there can quite see it anymore. Um, that, you know, you walk into your local church and there is a fresco of, you know, like blood spurting out of someone's decapitated neck stump. That kind of thing is, is everywhere and I just loved it. Um, so I, I came back and I started thinking about, well, what would this look like, would that level of, of violence look like um, channeled through a woman's experience with um, like feminine ritual. And so, of course, like I have to also channel that through my own experience. And I am one of three girls and grew up wearing big hair bows. And um, my mom sewed and still sews and embroiders. And she was always fitting us. Um, with dresses that she would make us. And uh, so I very well know the experience of having a pin accidentally poke you while she's, like, fitting a dress against your skin. Um, it's another, like, both women's work and um, presentation of female children. And so it felt like, okay, well, how, what if I make this into a stigmata for women with hair bows and pins and kind of revel in the blood that, you know, streams down the wrists. And, um, yeah, so that's how that painting came about. I love that. Yeah, that's such a good description of it. And that's just what I was wondering when, when looking at that. And, um, yeah, and so evocative, that idea of the bows as stigmata, as as. Mm-hmm. As punishment, almost right when when mm-hmm. the irony is it's it's a loving gesture, but it's but it's one yeah. that's um that's painful on a on a number of yeah. levels. Is uh, yeah. yeah. Um, well, and also dressing little girls up like presents is pretty gross. Um, but you know, in in all of my paintings, I think that there's. I hope that there's an equal level of growth and, um, I mean, this is such a, a word that's too big, but beauty, because I love painting. I love making things that I feel like are sumptuous and lovely to look at. And, um, yeah, so I think that's, I want to say a very intentional reflection of what it's like to be in a woman's body. (laughs) Um, But I I think it's more so something that I've recognized as um, like a mirroring concept and and I've been able to lean into it. It's great talking to you about this. And I I want to just wish you well on what's, what's coming up in in this next body of Mm -hmm. work. I, I want to ask you one more question before we go, which is, what are you reading on now? Something completely different, but I'm always curious what you're sure. reading. Um, 
Well, I am just finishing up um, a book called The Great Mortality on um, the spread of the plague in medieval Europe. Um, fascinating book. Highly recommend. It's nonfiction, but it reads like a novel. And I have just gotten about maybe a third of the way through Men, Women, and Chainsaws. And that is a book um, of, I believe it started out as an essay and then became a larger group of, of essays and a book about uh, gender, specifically femininity, in um, horror movies. So highly recommend that book as well. It is enlightening, and I've never read anything like it. Sarah, I want to thank you so much for talking with me today. It's really been a pleasure, oh, and I pleasure. wish you well with upcoming work. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.